Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Valley Rise Church. You guys are looking wonderful. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Christian. I'm the pastor here at Valley Rise. We started Valley Rise, um, I'm the bad at math, 16 months ago, January 2018, and we have been in this building since then. Um, but we are super excited that we're going to be moving to Hofius. They're starting construction on this building, um, and so we're going to be moving. How many know where Hofius is? How many know where it is? How many don't know what it is? How many don't know if that's a curse word or not? You're like, what is that? So we put some maps out in the lobby for you guys. Um, you can take this. It's literally right down the road. Um, you get on Kirkendall. You go that way, like two miles. Take a ride on Rayford, and it's right there. So I'm excited. Next week, go to Hofius. If you show up here, you will be having church by yourself, maybe with some construction guys. I don't know. That's weird. But we will be at Hofius, and we're super excited. It's going to be a great location. They just built the school. It's a year old. It's gorgeous. Um, it is going to be a great journey for Valley Rise Church. Hey, everyone, have a good Memorial weekend. Everybody's weekend going good? Yeah, awesome. Hey, we just want to take a second and thank you if you've served. I spent time in the military, and for those of you that have or those of you that have loved ones that you've lost, we remember their sacrifice on Memorial Day and how, um, how, how reminded I always am that we couldn't do this. There's a lot of places that you can't do this because of people um, that won't let it happen. And so I'm so thankful for a country that defends our right to do this and our military that serves to defend that right. And so, hey, can we give a hand for the military? Amen. Amen. Hey, let's pray and we'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy, your compassion, God. I pray that today you would speak to us, that you'd speak to our hearts, that you'd transform a part of us, God, that there'd be something inside of us that you plant that grows into, God, revelation that changes our life. I pray that you would speak to us, it's your property to speak to your children. God, let us get closer to you and closer to each other. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, today we are talking about a legend in the Bible, Running with Giants. For those of you, if this is maybe your first Sunday jumping into this series, the whole thing behind this is if the giants of our faith, the heroes of old, could come out of the stands of heaven and run one lap of life with you, what wisdom would they give you? What would they say to you that would change your life? What, what nugget would they drop in your heart that you would go, man, that shifts the way I look at my, the rest of my existence? What would they say to you? And so every week we've been taking someone and breaking down. What would they say to us if we had a conversation with them? How many of you ever get the question, um, if you could have lunch or dinner with anybody? You ever, you ever answer that question? If you could have dinner with anyone in all of existence, like who would it be? And people always, you know, Jesus or David or... And, and this is one of the guys that I would love to sit down with because of his journey with God. Today we're going to talk about Moses. Moses. How many of you know that Moses actually wrote the first five books of the Bible? For those who don't know, he wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, that's called the Pentateuch. Here's your little theological lesson today. The first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, and they were written by Moses. Moses is an interesting character. Moses was born to a Hebrew woman. At this time, they were trying to kill off all of the male Hebrew boys that were born. Well, I guess male and boys, you didn't, you got it. Um, they were trying to kill off all of the males that were born to the Hebrews because the population was growing. And so they began to take the males when they were born and throw them into the water. And Moses' mother 
Miriam didn't want that to happen, obviously, like any mother. And so she devised a plan that she was going to make a little boat and she was going to put Moses in there and put Moses in the stream and float him down the stream and really entrust God with what happened to Moses. As that happens, many of you know the story, Moses floats down. He comes upon a place where it's actually Pharaoh's daughter, the king who's decreed that all these male Hebrews should be, should be killed. And she draws this baby out of the water. His name, Moses, actually means drawn out of the water. So she draws him out of the water. She takes him. She raises him like her own son. His sister is following at a distance, watching the boat to see kind of what happens to Moses. And when, he, when she sees that Pharaoh's daughter has got Moses, she goes to him and she goes to her and says, hey, I have a Hebrew woman that can come and nurse this child that can be your maid. And it was Moses' mother. So Moses' mother got to raise Moses while she was raising him for Pharaoh's daughter. This is an interesting place that Moses has put in because Moses, is, Moses was a Hebrew. Moses' people were the Israelites. And yet, he served in the house of a king that hated the Israelites. He served in a place where he had to hide his true identity, really, the most of his life. Until he came to a point where he could no longer look away from it. Moses' story, like all of our stories, if you look at it in the whole picture, you go, man, it's insane that God would use this person. You, I say it to you guys every week, but I encourage you, when you read the Bible, read it like you don't know the ending. Because we know what Moses did. But I promise you, in the midst of this story, Moses did not know what Moses was going to do. Okay, Moses felt like you when you have a bad day. And you go, God, how are you ever going to use me? Moses felt like that like a lot more times than me and you. So let me just encourage you. So Moses, we pick up. Moses um, his, his, has a moment. Oh, let me say this. I don't want to forget this. I think it's very interesting um, that any time God wants to move greatly, we see this across all of history. I'll give you two is Moses okay, being born to deliver the Israelites, and Pharaoh comes out and says, kill all the children. Jesus, when Jesus was born, Herod came out and said, kill all the children. We are in the midst of one of the greatest mass slaughters of children. I don't know if you realize that. The abortion crisis, there's more children that have been aborted. The, the numbers are astronomical. It's mind-blowing. But anytime people ask me about it, I go, I think there's something to the fact that this happened when God raised up Moses. This happened when God raised up Jesus. And I believe that we're on the precipice of one of the greatest moves of what God wants to do in our world and in our country. And so as I studied this, I kept that in mind, thinking that anytime God wants to move greatly in a generation, the enemy always tries to kill off that seed of hope. He always tries to kill off the seed of hope, whether it's in our lives or in our generation. So we pick up Moses' story in Exodus 2. Exodus 2, Moses has now seen um, the, the Israelites be enslaved. He's watched them be enslaved day after day. He's put over servants, okay? He's, he's a Hebrew in disguise over Hebrews. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to do work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Moses is now at a turning point in his life where he can no longer look away. He starts to identify with the pain of what is going on in the people that he loves. Seeing his cousins, seeing his siblings, seeing his parents being forced into slavery, it starts to do something to Moses. And Moses decides, I can't turn away anymore. I've got to do something. Moses, probably wrongly, takes it into his own hands and kills this, this, this uh, Egyptian. Now, how many of you know, if that, if that happened today, 
you're probably thinking what Moses was thinking at that time. Like, God, my story's over. I'm going to jail. Okay, like, you're, you probably, maybe if you wanted to use me, God, maybe that's changed because I don't know if you can use me now that I just killed a man. Moses gets terrified. He flees into the desert. He lives in the desert really the rest of his life. This is when he encounters the burning bush. This is when he starts to have a realization of what God wants to do and what God is calling him to do. So I want to give you three things today. If Moses could be here with us today, what would he tell us? What wisdom would he give us? Moses, the greatest deliverer of all time. People, when, when I go to Israel, the people that they talk, they talk about Moses like, I mean, it's, it's Jesus and like Moses, like that's it. Because Moses for them was the greatest deliverer that their people had ever known. So what would Moses say to us? I love this. Number one, deal with your issues. Deal with your issues because issues don't go away. Deal with your issues. You say, Christian, what do you mean? Well, I'm going to explain it to you. Moses kills the Egyptian and he flees into the desert. Okay, he's in the desert now hiding from Pharaoh because he's going, if I go back there, they're going to know I killed this man. They're going to, in the next chapter, some Hebrew boys say, we saw that you killed this man and, and Moses flees so that he won't suffer consequence. But then we see this issue, this issue that Moses had of anger that he didn't deal with there. It does, how many of you know if you have an issue and you don't deal with it, it doesn't just go away? The test doesn't pass until you pass the test. Okay, I remember my dad used to tell me that. The test doesn't pass until you pass the test, son. And I'd be like, I feel like I'm taking the same test. Maybe you feel like me when you feel like you're taking the same test over and over and over and over. And you go, God, when am I not going to have to take this test again? God, why is this happening again? God, why am I walking through this again? God, why am I trying to deal with this issue again? And if you want the answer, it's because the test doesn't pass until you pass the test. Moses had an issue of anger. Moses, in a moment, killed a man, flees into the desert. Years go by. God calls him. He frees the children of Israel. He takes them over the Red Sea. Okay, he's awesome. He's the man. But this issue of anger that Moses had comes back to haunt him. Numbers 20. The people of Israel are in the desert. They're now aggravated with Moses because Moses made them leave Egypt. They've been in the desert for 40 years. Okay, and I'm not going to lie. If I was in the desert for 40 years, I'd probably be aggravated with Moses too. But... They go to Moses and they say, Moses, why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Okay, Moses is mad. Listen, he didn't want to be in the desert for 40 years either, okay? He's mad because people he's leading are mad at him, and he's just doing what God told him to do. He comes to them and he goes, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff. This moment right here is what keeps Moses out of the promised land. For those of you who don't know, Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land. God takes him up before they get to the promised land, and Joshua takes over and leads the people in the promised land. Why didn't he get to go in the promised land? They see it right here. He struck the rock twice with the staff, and the water gushed out, so the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. 
This moment of anger that caused him to kill a man in his youth, he's never dealt with the issue. And the issue comes back when he gets frustrated with the people he's leading. And God goes, speak to the rock. And he goes, God, I'm going to show these people. And picks up the staff and hits the rock. And God goes, you're doing, it. you're doing it wrong. I didn't call you to hit the rock. I called you to speak to the rock. Okay, but your issue of anger got you frustrated and made you act out on something that I never called you to do. And many times we have issues in our life that we think will go away. Married people, you know this. Well, I know when I get married, it'll be different. Well, when I have kids, it'll be different. Well, when I get a little older, it'll be different. Well, when I calm down, it'll be different. And how many of you know it's never different? It's never different. Okay, I tell people we're about to get married, we just can't keep our hands off each other. I'm like, okay, if we could just get married, everything would be fine. I'm like, just so you know, that doesn't, we, getting married doesn't help it, okay? Like, you, all of a sudden, you've been wanting one thing and you get it, and now you're looking at everything else because you finally got what you wanted. If you don't learn to control the issue then, the issue will not be controlled later. We've got to look at the issues in our life and go, what issues have I been battling that I've just refused to take the test of? That I've refused to deal with. That maybe all the people around me go, hey, you, man, you're, you're an angry guy. You, hey, man, you lose your temper a lot. Hey, man, you seem to get frustrated easily. You're, get off my back. <laughs> you know those people that you're like, you're kind of like angry. And they're like, I'm not angry. You're like, that's it. That's exactly what I was talking about right there. You just got angry with me. What issue do you have that God's been putting his finger on going, hey, we got to deal with this. Because if we don't deal with this now, it'll keep you out of your promised land. It'll keep you out of what I've called you to do. If we can't deal with it here, let it die here, resolve the issue here, it will stop you from going there. What issues is God trying to deal with in your life? I think Moses would tell us, deal with your issues. Issues don't go away until we deal with them. Number two, I think Moses would tell us, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Let me explain this to you. Exodus 3, 13. We see Moses before God. He goes up to the burning bush. He's talking to the burning bush. I'm just saying, like, that's, that's a weird experience, okay? You got to think. He was like, what did I eat? This is. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel, Exodus 3, do we have that up there? Exodus 3, there it is. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name, my name to remember for all generations. You go back and read this passage. Four times Moses argues with God. God, I can't do this. God, I'm not good enough to do this. God, he says, I'm slow of speech. God, I have a stutter. I can't, I can't even talk correctly. God, they're, they're going to kill me if I go back because they know that I killed a man. Moses gives all the reasons why God shouldn't use him. All the reasons. I know none of you do that. I know that we've never had those moments where we go, God, you want somebody else to talk to the people at work. God, this, I don't even know my Bible real well. God, like, God, you want someone else to serve? I wouldn't be good at doing that. God, you know, man. Just, and we start to make all these excuses about why we're not good enough or qualified enough to do what God has called us to do. Moses stands before the burning bush and is having a conversation with God himself and says, listen, God, you got the wrong guy. Now, if I'm God, I'm like, you realize I know everything, right? Like, what do you mean I got the wrong guy? Like, 
No, God, you don't, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. They're not going to believe me. He goes, well, pick up the trick stick. Take that in there, okay? It'll do some awesome things. God, but I can't talk. He goes, okay, well, I'll give you your brother. He'll go and he'll speak for you. Okay, God, but they're not going to believe me. Okay, well, tell them I sent you. Okay, he goes through all of these reasons why God shouldn't use Moses. And I'll tell you this. There was a lot of good reasons for God not to use Moses. Like Moses had killed a guy. Moses was a fugitive. Okay. I, I love to put these biblical stories into modern day times because if this happened to anyone today and somebody murdered a guy and someone in here that was a fugitive, someone that we all knew on the news was a fugitive and they walked in the back and said, hey, God told me to tell you all something. We'd be like, yeah, he probably told you to go to jail. Like, I don't <laughs> why you're here trying to tell us what God told you to say. We know the end of the story. So we go like, yes, Moses is a godly guy. Moses has just killed a dude. And he, he's like, God, really, you want me to go back there and be like, hey, God just spoke to me. I know I killed a guy and buried him in the sand, but he said, he, uh, I want you to let all these people go. God, they're not going to listen to me. Moses had some great reasons to feel unqualified. How many of you know we got some great reasons to feel unqualified oftentimes? God, I don't really know my Bible, God. God, God, I'm, God pick somebody else. I mean, what if they ask me a question I don't even know? Or, God, it's, I, yeah, I'm uncomfortable when I talk to people and I'm... God, if I do this, it's going to be weird. And, and we start to create reasons for why God can't use us. We start to disqualify ourselves when God never disqualified us. He always called you and qualified you. We'll disqualify our own selves for all the list of the reasons that we think God shouldn't use us. But what I love about God is that God is never looking at our reasons God has his own reasons for doing what God does. And he looks down and he goes, I'm willing to use anyone who's willing to be used. I'm willing to use anyone who's available. I'm willing to use anyone who has a heart for me. I'm willing to use anyone who can love people. I'm willing to use anyone who can pursue me. I'm willing to use anyone whose heart is loyal to me. And God will find you in a desert. He will find you in the palace. But God is looking for people that he can trust with his calling. And God goes, listen, you can give me all the reasons, Moses, why you don't think you're good enough. I'm going to send you. Tell them I sent you. And when you are sent by me, that qualifies you all you need. I mean, you know, God has called you. God has a purpose for your life. You're not on this earth for no reason. You weren't just put here because you happenstance. You weren't a mistake after four bottles of Merlot. You weren't. God has a plan and a purpose for you that he destined when he created you. And when you were born, he said, listen, I have the greatest future set ahead of you. You know what's awesome about God's plan is? God's plan is if you, could, if you could see the whole picture, God's plan for your life is exactly what you would choose. Like, I think sometimes we're scared for God to use us because we're like, God, if you use me, like, you're going to call me to be like a missionary in Zimbabwe or something. Like, I'll never forget. I was terrified God was going to call me to be a missionary in Zimbabwe. Like, legitimately. Like, I know that maybe you guys had different fears growing up. Like, that was my fear. I was like, I just know God's going to call me to the mission field. I'm going to be living in a thatch hut my whole life. Like, just chasing animals for dinner. I'm going to be skinnier than I am. Like, this is going to be horrible. And, and so I would constantly do things to disprove why God would like, like, okay, I'll never forget. This was a serious moment in my life. It's funny now. We're playing basketball. I just started to seek God again. I was in the Air Force. I finally start going back to church. Been away from God for a long time. Playing basketball with a bunch of guys. And I go, okay. Now, they thought I was joking, but I knew inwardly this was like between me and God. An issue like I've been doing. I'm like, okay, God, if I throw this ball across the court, I'm telling this to all the guys, if I throw this ball across the court, I'm moving to Zimbabwe, I'm going to be a missionary. I throw this full court shot, and it goes in, nothing but net. And everyone looks at me, and I was like, I'm at this goal. I think it was the wrong goal. Trick God. Got him good. I was so terrified. 
But then I realized that God's not going to ask me to do something that's miserable. God put passions inside of you for a reason. All of us have a gifting and all of us have a passion and there's something that you do better than everybody else. That is what God created you for. That is what God called you for. God's not going to call you to something that would make you miserable. He calls you to things that fulfill the giftings he already put inside of you. I was having a conversation with a guy one time, and he said, when I, he's a musician and kind of hippie-ish, and he said, you know, we're having a conversation about God, not a Christian. And I said, you know, man, what do you do that that you just love? And he goes, when I play music, it's the closest to God I've ever felt. Now, when he said it, I was like, sounds like something like you'd say when you're high, like you're a little hippie, you know, like I just feel so close to God when I play music. And like, but I realized looking back, what he was saying is when I do what God created me to do, it's the most fulfilled that I ever will be. You have an area in your life that when you do it, it's the most fulfilled that you will ever be. That is what God called you to. That's the gifting he gave you. Okay, for me, it's communicating. People go, how'd you learn how to preach? I just, this is, I was just born. I don't know. It's a gift that God gave me, like when someone can sing. Okay, when people get up and sing, they can sing whenever they need to sing. It's a gift that God gives them. God put a gift of communication inside of me, and when I do it, it's the closest to God that I feel. Because I'm operating in the full giftings and purpose and calling that God knit me together in my mother's womb for. How many of you know you have one of those? You have something inside of you that is a gift that God has given you. That when you do it, it fulfills a part of you that nothing else can. And no one can do it like you can do it. Because God called you to do it. God does not call the qualified. He's not looking for someone who's good enough to do the things that he wants to do. He's looking for someone who's available. And then he qualifies you to do whatever he's asking you to do. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And then thirdly, as I close... Where God leads, I think if Moses was here, this would probably be the greatest one that he would say to us. Where God leads, he provides. Where God leads, he provides. I was looking at this and it's spelled differently. On, on the, for, just so you all know, sometimes people come to you after and they go like, you have an amazing memory. And I'm like, why would you, why? Like, you're just quoting those scriptures, like long passages of scripture off, your, off the top of your head. And I'm like, there's a screen right here, just so you all know. Like, <laughs> I'm not just memorizing all these, but I'm not memorizing chapters of the Bible for you all. Uh, so <laughs> where God leads, he provides. Matthew, or sorry, Exodus 16. Exodus 16, I love this. Now remember this. These people have been in the desert for 40 years. Imagine what you would be feeling if you had been in the desert for 40 years years okay probably be some tension probably a little angry probably a little concerned does anyone is there i think siri has taken us on the wrong a bad map because uh we've been in this desert a long time and you know what's funny the journey actually from where they were going this it's funny for us it wasn't funny for them was only like a three-day journey they got stuck between like like three-day journey walking so i don't know what would that be like maybe San Antonio, can you walk to San Antonio? What's further than San Antonio? I don't know. I don't know my geography. Imagine walking for three days, okay? That'd be bad, but imagine getting lost in that three-day journey for 40 years. Like, that's, that's, you'd be frustrated. These people are out here and they're going now back to Moses and going, listen, you should have just left us in Egypt, God. At least then we knew what we were dealing with. At least then we had some place to sleep. Sure, we had to work hard. Sure, we were getting beaten. Sure, but at least we had some, we knew what we were going to eat. We knew what we were going to drink. We knew where to get stuff from. 
And this is what they say, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. Each day, God goes, I'm going to rain down what they called manna, manna from heaven. And every day is going to be enough to fulfill them. And I'm going to see if they trust me. And what would happen if they picked up two days worth? One of them would rot every time. Because God was trying to teach them an important principle that he's trying to teach us as well. Which is your provision comes from God and God alone. And the moment you start thinking your provision comes from you, it will wither away before you. Where God leads, God provides. And as I was reading this, I thought, Matthew 6, I love this. So then forsake your worries. Why would you say what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your body requires? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. Listen, I just want to stop because we live in a culture where anxiety and stress and depression grips people. Worry. Some of you lay in bed at night worrying. God, what's going to happen tomorrow? And what if this happens? And how are we going to pay this bill? And how are we going to do He says, don't even think about it. Forsake your worries. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Some of you, your motto needs to be, I refuse to worry about tomorrow. God knows what I need. God has provision for me. And listen, I, I understand the stress and the worrying and the anxiety. Okay, there are many days I lay in bed going, oh God, what, how are we going to do? How are we going to pay for this? And what, 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 what if the church needs this? And, what, and I made a covenant with myself and with God and with my wife because she's the one that has to hear it. Okay, I'm going to trust God for what I need today. And some of us worry about tomorrow and aren't even thankful for what God's given us today. So you know what happens when I get stressed? I lay in bed and I look up at that ceiling like all of us do when you're stressed. And I go, God, thank you that I got a roof over my head. Today, I'm okay, God. Today, I'm not going to starve. Today, they're not taking the house. Today, I've ate a good meal. Today, the air conditioner is on. There are people living in cardboard boxes on the street. God, thank you that today you have given me all the provision that I need. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Why does God do that? Because he wants us daily to walk in a relationship of trusting his provision. That we would never get so concerned about what we need that we forget who gives us all of our needs. Who fulfills all of our desires. Who takes the flowers of the field and clothes them and says, how much more can he care for you and for me? And I've told you all this before. I'm sure some of you haven't been here when I've said it. Every time me and Alex have ever been stressed about anything, I'll take her hand and we'll pray and I'll say, Alex, God closed the flowers of the field. How much more will he care for us? We're gonna trust that if God is big enough to do that, if God's big enough to provide for us all that he already has, that he's big enough to provide for us this time as well. 
Moses had to go on a journey with God. You want to talk about trusting God for provision? When you have a million people going, how are we going to eat? And you're like, I don't know. Listen, I just came out here because the burning bush told me to. <laughs> try, try that excuse when you got a million people following you. The burning bush told me to come out here and take you guys with me. So, And then they get to the Red Sea and everyone's panicking. And how are we going to do this? And what are we going to And Moses goes, God... What are you going to do about this? And God goes, stand here until the waters depart. Okay? And they get across, and then the enemies start chasing. God, what are you going to do about this? I'm going to put a pillar of fire before you and a cloud behind you. And Okay, God. And, and God, what are you going to do about this? Okay, speak to the rock, and water is going to come out of the rock. What was God teaching Moses? He was teaching Moses there is one place provision comes from. It comes from God and God alone. And if we can walk that journey with Jesus, it will grow us immensely. You are never closer to God than when you have to fully rely on him for tomorrow. You are never closer to God than when you have to fully rely on him for tomorrow. I know when we get, like, listen, we're all the same. I, know, I don't know if y'all think, like, because I'm a pastor, I just don't have, like, any worries. I'm just like, oh, God just takes care of everything. Like, we're all the same, okay? I know the feeling when you're going, what are we going to do for tomorrow? And, okay, God, how am I going to pay this bill? And we get a little bit of money, you know, a tax return comes in. You're like, God, we're going to talk in about two weeks once I buy this cheetah coat, okay? Like, <laughs> you ever see those memes that say, uh, like, just got my, my tax return? And, like, it's like a guy, like a Saudi guy, and he's got, like, a cheetah in the car, and he's like, I bought this. Like, my friends always send that to each other around tax returns. They're like, don't buy anything cheetah, okay? <laughs> once we get a little cushion, all of a sudden... It's easy for us to go, God, like, I appreciate it. You know, I'm good. I'm like, I hit you up when I need something. But you are never closer to God than when you need provision. You are never closer to God than when you need a miracle. You are never closer to God than when you need healing, when you need restoration, when you need God to speak to you, when you need a job opening, and when you need a door to open that only he can open. You know why God does that? Because oftentimes it's the only way that he can keep us close. It's the only way that he can keep us close sometimes. And we're all guilty of it. And my prayer is always, God, let me, whether I have more than enough or a lack, let me always trust you for everything that comes in. Let me always pursue you daily. Let me come to you every day and go, God, whatever today holds, I know that you can handle it. Whatever today holds, God, I know that you have provision. Tomorrow will worry about itself. But I can't tell you as I was praying in Saturday morning prayer, looking over all your prayer request cards, how many people put on their stress and anxiety and worry. And, and man, I just got this health issue and I'm just worried about it. And I got this financial issue and I'm just worried about it. I have so much stress and I don't know how I'm going to. Listen, I want you to take a deep breath and just know that the God who created the heavens and the earth, who closed the flowers of the field, who rained down manna from heaven for a million children of Israel can take care of your issues as well. He's not scared of the bill. He's not scared of the sickness. He's not worried about the job. Oftentimes, he's waiting for us to come to him and go, God, okay, I've tried to do everything I can do in my own strength and in my own power, in my own might, and I've knocked on all the doors I can knock on God, and I've tried to make it happen as much as I can make it happen. God, I need you. God, I don't want a door unless you open it. Because when God opens the door, he gets all the credit. When we open the door, we make it about us. We make it about what we did, what we accomplished, how good we are, the opportunities we got. Instead of going, God, this could have only been you. 
and you get all of the credit and you get all of the glory and you are good and good alone, God. It is not because I am qualified. It is because you have called me, you have provided for me, and you've walked this journey with me. Listen, I think if we can learn anything from Moses today, it's that we all have a journey. We all have a journey. I had the privilege yesterday of spending the day with Jeff Robertson, you know, Jeff, the, the Duck Dynasty um, guys. And I know some of you are probably like, and Josh Abbott, who apparently is a huge deal in Texas. Um, we do not know him in Louisiana, but everyone here does. Um, and we were having a conversation about life's journey, the journey of life. And we're driving around, and he's going, you know, man, I used to worry about this. I'm so fr- like, what do you think God thinks about this? What do you think? I just said, you know what, man? I think God's comfortable with your journey. I think God's not scared of the journey that he has you on. I think that when Moses was standing before the Red Sea going, God, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And people are panicking and the the Egyptians are pressing in and they're going, oh my God. That God's sitting up in heaven going, hey, it's going to be all right. I've seen the end. I'm not worried. I created the ocean. I can move it. God's not worried about our journey. He's not scared of your journey. He's not scared of your doubts. He's not scared of your fears. He's not scared of your stress. He's not scared of your anxiety. God is big enough to walk this journey with you. And when you watch Moses' journey with God, it should give all of us hope. Moses disqualified himself when he killed a man. Like, I mean, come on. No one would line up to follow that guy. If I got up here and was like, listen, God's done a lot in my life. I did kill a guy, though. Y'all would be like, goodness gracious, like, we need a new church. No one's signing up to follow the guy that murdered somebody and buried him in the desert and has been on the run for 40 years. Nobody's signing up to follow that guy. Moses, I promise you, was in the desert going, I guess, I guess this is my life. I guess I'm a herd sheep, and I guess I'm just going to do this out here in the desert until I die and just... He didn't know the end of the story. He, didn't, he wrote the book. Okay? He wasn't reading the book. You are writing the book of your life that one day someone will read and go, God, look how amazing God worked in their life. And isn't it awesome that they got to do all this stuff? And only you will know the times that you had to trust God for provision. Only you will know the times that you didn't know what was going to happen. Only you know the times that was a scary part of the movie that you were living. Because we all have it. But I want you to know in the midst of the worst moments of your life, that you can trust there is a God that is bigger than whatever is in front of you. And whether it's the Red Sea or whether it's the Egyptian army or whether it's a 40-year journey in the desert, God is comfortable walking that journey with you. I encourage you, have conversations with God like Moses did. One of the things that blew my mind when I went to Israel, uh, we were having a conversation with a guy, and he goes, you know, one of the things that is funny to us about the American church is you guys are scared to argue with God. And I'm like, yeah, we are, <laughs> for sure. And he goes, we, we, we as, as Jews aren't scared of arguing with God. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, all of, our, all of our forefathers argued with God. Moses argued with God. David argued with God. Abraham argued with God. Jacob argued with God. All of them were comfortable with this journey between them and God, the conversations them and God had. I'm just telling you, if I roll out of here and there's a burning bush and it tells me to do something, I'm doing whatever it says. I'm not even asking. Like, I'm just going to be like, all right, I'll do that. Like, a burning bush just spoke to me. I'm probably going to do whatever he said to do. Moses is like, nah, it's not enough. God's like, listen, I'm going to give you a stick. It's going to do awesome things. He's like, ooh, I don't know, God, that's not enough either. You... Imagine God, what is this comfortable, how comfortable do you have to be with God to have conversations like that? I think that's God's heart for all of us. 
I think God loves processing with you. I think God loves you going, God, this is really scary. I don't know if I can do this. And God looks down and goes, I know, and it's okay, I got you. We can do this together. You trust me, we can do this together. I know God, but I'm real worried about this. And you should be having conversations with God that are like conversations between you and your best friend. When's the last time you were just driving in the car going, God, I'm, God, I'm mad at you. God, why would you let this happen? And then allowing God the opportunity to speak to you. Listen, I say it all the time. We are not about religion. We're not about church. We're not, I am about a relationship with Jesus. And a relationship with Jesus is like a relationship with anyone else. Okay, I promise you're not scared to argue with your wife. I know, she calls me, okay? She's like, my husband won't stop arguing with me. You're not scared to argue with your children. You're not scared to argue with your boss. You're not scared. Have those conversations with God. And I'll give you one better. Oftentimes, if you have those conversations with God, you don't end up having them with your spouse and with your boss and with your children. Because God's design was always that we would process with him and communicate with him and connect with him. And our relationship with him would be like our relationship with our spouse. That we would be able to communicate with him when we're scared. We'd be able to communicate with him when we're worried. The beauty of Moses' life was all of his interactions with God were so relational so relational. God, I'm furious. Why'd you lead us out here in the desert? The people are going to kill me. I want to die. We've been in the desert for 40 years. What if we could talk to God like that? I think if Moses could come down and run a lap with us today, he'd tell us, deal with the little issues. Don't let something small keep you from what God's called you to. I think he'd tell you that you're qualified because God chose you, not because you're good enough, not because you're skilled enough, not because you are knowledgeable enough, but because God chose you and put a gifting inside of you. And then lastly, I think he would tell you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what today looks like, no matter what next week looks like, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And some of you need to take a deep breath and just go, okay, God, you got me. I'm gonna be okay. Release the stress, release the anxiety, release the worry, and trust the provision that God has for you. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we're so thankful that you're not scared of our journey. You're not worried about what we're walking through, God. You're not thrown off by the issues that we're struggling with. God, you know the journey that you have for us. It was written before we were ever born. Today, God, we ask that you would make us comfortable in our relationship with you. That we'd be able to communicate those things to you, God. We'd be able to have those conversations with you. We would be able to speak to you and allow you to speak to us, God. That our interaction with you wouldn't just be on Sunday, but it would be daily us coming to you and going, God, I need you today. I need you today, God. I need you tomorrow. I need you because you're the only thing that will fulfill me. You're the only provision that will ever satisfy me. God, let us trust like Moses trusted. Let us look to you daily for what we need. Let us never get so overwhelmed with life that we forget the journey that you already laid before us. God, I pray if there's issues inside of us that you wanna deal with, that we would deal with them now. That we wouldn't wait, wouldn't hold back. God, that whatever it is inside of us, that you would deal with it. 
You know what it is, God. And I pray you would put your finger on those areas of our hearts. The areas that will stop us from reaching our full potential. God, cut those areas of our heart away. We don't want them. God, I'm so thankful that you don't choose us because we're good enough. I pray that every single person in here, God, would feel your hand on their life, that your calling on their life, your purpose in them flourishing like never before. God, that they would discover what they were created for. Jesus, we're so thankful that because of what you did, we became qualified of no doing of our own. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here today that go, Christian, I've been in church, or maybe I've, I've, I've had religion, but I've never had a relationship with God like what you're talking about. I've never had that relationship with Jesus, but, but I want it. I want a relationship like that. The God that loves me and cares for me. The God that's not scared of my weaknesses or my flaws or my journey, but a God that walks with me on the journey. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just between you and Jesus, I just want to pray for you. If that's you and you say, Christian, would you just pray for me today? I want to take that step and start that relationship with Jesus. Would you raise your hand for me? I just want to pray for you. Amen. You put your hands down. Now we're going to repeat this prayer after me. And you can say it out loud. You can say it under your breath. You can say it in your heart. As long as you mean it, it's between you and Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, today I realize how deeply I need you. Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. A life I could never live. And then you died a death that I deserved so that I wouldn't have to. I believe you paid my sin bill. And then I believe that you rose from the dead to give me new life and freedom in you. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to pursue you. I choose to love you. I choose to communicate with you and to stay connected to you on this journey of life. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Hey, what a great, what a great opportunity that we're going to have going into Hofius. You guys are going to love this building. It is beautiful. It is so cool. Tell all the people that you know. I don't want people to show up here next week and be like, somebody didn't tell me. And if you knew them and didn't tell them, then that's on you. Um, <laughs> but uh, we are going to be there next Sunday, same time, Hofius. Don't forget it. I'm trying to make sure there was some other announcements that I had. Hold on. Um, if you came prepared to worship with your giving today, we got three ways that you can do that. You can give in an offering envelope. Also, if you filled out a connection card, that's where you can slip that into the offering bucket. We'd love to stand with you and pray for you. You can give online at valleyrisechurch.com, click the giving link, or you can text Valley Rise in the amount to 77296. Hey, none of this happens without you guys. And like I say every week, I'll never ask you for anything. The Bible says that every man should decide in his own heart what the Lord would have him give. And so what we do say is you ask God, and whatever God tells you to do, that's what we want you to do. We know that God is our provision. Hey, I am so grateful for you guys. I spent all day yesterday bragging on Valley Rise Church. I'm telling you, it is so cool what God is doing. I know y'all only see this, but when you see across the map what God is doing, 
I believe that we truly are on the, on the, on the brink of something amazing, not just for us, but for the church in general. Yeah, that's worth, that's worth clapping for. Um, so we'll pray over this, and then I'll let you get out of here. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for each and every gift and every giver, God. We know that it comes only from you. God, the provision you give us comes only from you. God, we ask that you would return it to them a hundredfold, that everything we invest in the kingdom of God, that it wouldn't return void, God, but that it would come back in the most amazing ways. I pray a peace, God, a supernatural peace over each and every person here. There'd be no stress, there'd be no anxiety, there'd be no worry this week, God, that your peace that passes all understanding would go with them this week and that you would do in them what only you can do on this journey of life. Thank you, God, for each and every person here. Let this be the greatest week ever. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you next week at Hopius. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.